Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Okay, thank you. It's uh, great to be able to share this preach with Hannah and also another friend of mine, Stephen McKenzie. If we can get him in at some point, will be able to join us as well. So we're looking on this series at the whole uh, topic of mission and we're actually using mission, the um, letters, to actually help us. So last week we started with M, uh, Meals and Tim, uh, who is a gregarious uh, Kind of, I always call him a bonfire person, but he calls them barbecues. But uh, basically, he used to have a pit at the bottom of his garden for that. Um, and uh, today we're going to look at intercession and interceding for five people. And we're going to uh, open that up through the chat. Next time it's going to be serving, serving practically people. And then in sharing our story. So that will be the one after that. Inviting people to events. We've just had a great alpha with nearly 20 visitors that uh, were invited i think from as far away as munich because effectively now online just your neighbor is anybody that's within um kind of the uh, 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 your time zone then uh, we're going to be talking about offering people prayer so many people these days actually uh, when you say kind of pray for you if they're ill or something like that really are very open to that and then the last thing is never giving up and uh, just keeping going. So I say this week we're just going to look at the whole t- topic of prayer and I want to do it in, in, in three different ways but to kind of start us off, um, intercession, interceding for five people. The, the dictionary talks about intercessory prayer as an act of praying to God on behalf of others. So when we're interceding we're actually almost standing in the gap, we're actually uh, looking at them and saying hey they need God and so we're actually asking God to do something in their lives you know Jesus was a magnificent prayer the son of God basically showed us day after day if you read through the gospels how he just would get up early sometimes he'd go right through the night praying and one of the prayers that he prayed is found in uh, John 17 verse 20 and it's a, a quite a long prayer but Verse 17 says, uh, verse 20 says this. He says, look, I am praying not only for these disciples. So he had his disciples in front of him. He's praying to God. He said, I'm not only just praying for you, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So if you think about the magnificent nature of that prayer, it's basically saying, hey, you 12 disciples, I'm praying for all those people that will hear the good news about Jesus Christ through you and through generations after you. So just think that actually we are involved in that prayer, that actually that prayer is relevant today. You know, Paul understood this in, in, in the way that he thought about his own nation. He, he loved the Jewish people. And he said in Romans 10 verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. So here's Paul 
taking hold of that prayer of Jesus that's kind of international. It's for the end of the world. And basically now saying, for my nation, I want my nation to be saved. You know, I pray for our nation. I want our nation to be saved. I want revival in our nation. And then he says to Timothy, on the same sort of vein, he's encouraging Timothy. He says, look, in 1 Timothy 2, 11, 1, sorry, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. So here's um, Paul saying, look, I want you to pray for all people. And then he goes on to say, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So here he wants us to pray actually for our leaders, that our nations will be stable. He said, this is good and pleases God our saviour, who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. So actually Paul, he said, Timothy, not only just pray for individuals, but actually pray for the nation that it's conducive for the gospel to be shared. So praying for uh, salvation, I say, is individual, but it's actually the environment that we are in. I remember uh, a few years ago, my dad was around 85 years old. He wasn't a churchgoer. In fact, he thought I was a little bonkers, I think, actually, uh, giving up a job and uh, going full time in the ministry and uh, I was just ringing him he said oh by the way Colin we had the bishop last Sunday at my church and I said, what do you mean the bishop at your church you don't go to church he said of course I go to church but it was a very quiet man so he, he could do things for a long time and he wouldn't know he just wasn't didn't kind of share much I said how do you get to go into church he said well you know Colin I was ill I said yeah he said well I was told by the doctor I had to walk so many yards to actually get fit again and uh, he said I worked out that if I walked that the church was exactly the right number of yards for me to walk and I thought if I go there I can sit while the service is on and then come home and and, and that was it and literally he gets saved and that a remarkable you know what I think Jesus prayed <laughs> 2,000 years ago but my dad's living in the good what a remarkable story and I remember when he he died and uh, I never met his vicar and uh, on the funeral, my sister did all the, the, the negotiations with him because we lived away. And then I was at the funeral and he's got his hand on the coffin of my dad, talking about my dad's faith. It's just remarkable. And I think that's prayer. That is God moving. And, um, and what we're going to do this evening is just look at the power of prayer. Now, my good friend Stephen... Um, was telling me a story just about how he's been praying for the coffee shop. So I thought, hey, what, let's just bring him in. And uh, if the technology allows us and uh, it all works, Stephen's just going to give a little testimony of uh, how he sees prayer and how opening up uh, opportunities for the gospel. Um, yeah, so um, I hope you can hear me. Um, but one thing that I've been thinking about um, prayer over the last couple of years is that Often the people I pray for are the people I know really well, but they're not often the people I actually see the most um, every day. Um, so I've been making a point of getting to know a little bit, um, but more importantly, praying for the coffee shop workers, because I'll go into a coffee shop almost every day of my life. And before lockdown, I was going into one Costa um, and I got to know some of the staff. Um, I get to hear some of kind of what's going on in their life. And there was one girl 
um, a third year student um, called Rupa, um, who was working there, you know, because she needed some money and she was worried about kind of her exams and, you know, earning enough money to kind of go through the summer and go traveling. And I was just able to pray for her and see kind of the outcome of that last, um, last summer now. Um, and I think it's really important to kind of share, um, to share that, but also to try and build in prayer habits that are kind of true to who you are and what you're doing. Um, I often agree to pray for lots of people, but actually having those touch moments of seeing people and being able to intercede is, is really important. Um, and at the moment with kind of Corona, things are reopening. Um, I'm going to go to a different coffee shop and I'm trying to go at the same time every day to get to know the same kind of staff and get to hear some of what's going on for them and pray for them as well. Um, I hope that's what you wanted, Colin. That is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, you see, we started off by Jesus's kind of cosmic prayer till the end of the world. You know, I'm praying for you and those who hear the good news. And, and then we talked about Paul in his lifetime praying for his nation. And these are kind of, it's like big present uh, telling uh, Timothy, pray for the nation so that the nations are stable. And uh, I wanted to start on the big picture, but also just hone it down because the big picture comes to my dad, comes to Acosta, comes to Nero, comes to the people that we interact with. And uh, so I've, I've asked Hannah, who um, actually has been helping me on this as well, uh, to talk about honing it down now. How do we find, well, now we've said five people, in a sense, that's no magic number, but it's like making sure this kind of international, global praying for people to get saved actually gets honed down to people that we can actually, day by day, like um, Stephen has been saying, praying for. So over to you, Hannah. Okay. Hello everyone. I'm just going to share my screen um, and get a little PowerPoint up and I just want to um, kind of take you through kind of a helpful tool that I've learned over the years and I've gone through. I've worked with um, UCCF for a couple of years. I'm just on maternity leave at the moment and I've gone through with the students this kind of idea of who's in our life and when we think about number five we're like oh gosh I don't know about you but my mind just goes blank. I'm like I don't know anyone but actually you do. And the fun thing about it is that God has put you in people's lives and put people in your lives. And so as it, these, I've made these dots, they're nice and colorful. And the idea is that they, we have been put in lots of different spheres of influence in our lives. So maybe um, I've done here, there's maybe it's your family, maybe it's your work colleagues, maybe it's your old friends from who grew up that you're still in touch with, maybe uni friends, um, maybe uh, friends that you have just known around. Maybe you're on a sports team, maybe you do running on a Saturday, uh, maybe it's just friends. Friends are around when I typed into Google friends, their friends then came up, so I thought that was quite fun. Maybe it's your neighbours, again Ramsey Street came up. They're all of these people you've been put in their lives and it's really easy for us to think they're over there and they're over there and they're over there. But actually the reality of our lives is it is a 360 picture. It's a bit like um, a PowerPoint, uh, a pie chart, sorry, not a PowerPoint, a pie chart. And then as you put all of these different areas and spheres in your life, it kind of looks a bit like this. Maybe um, for you, the, there's a big uh, triangle that takes up uh, neighbours because you just know your neighbours really well or maybe you know your work colleagues really well or maybe you have a massive family 
Um, but maybe you've got very few um, friends that you've known since you were very little, but you do have some really close friends that you've kept in touch with. So, um, yeah, so what you can do then is from those different spheres, um, I think within our lives, we also have within those spheres differing levels of friendship. So this is the kind of circles thing that I often do with people. So um, you've got your the smallest circle, which is your closest friends, your family, those people that you share your heart with. Then you've got your inner circle. That's the second circle. And that's kind of where people who you would call friends live. That's kind of that. And they might be closer to your inner circle. They might be closer out. And then you've got your outer circle. And that's people um, like Stephen said, which is so helpful, isn't it, about the coffee shop. I might talk to someone at a coffee shop every day of the week. They are in my outer circle. Um, how about the people that I see on my commute? They're in my outer circle. Um, I Sometimes when I've done this with students, they put it outside, people outside. But the reality is, is most people exist within these three circles. And it kind of depends on your character and what you're like, how big these circles are going to be. Um, but what, what you want to happen and what, um, what, you, what I like, my prayer as I always do this thing is, God has put me in these people's lives and he's put them in my lives. What does it look like for me to look at this and think, wow, all of these people that God has put in my life or I put me in their life, he is working in their lives. And so, um, so let me just see. Yeah. So there's no mistake about what, um, about each of those names that you write down. If you do this at home and you spend some time, maybe um, you can think about it and just do it this evening. Who are the people that God has put in your life? Well, you know that he's working in their lives because he's put you in their lives. You know that God is on their case because otherwise you wouldn't be in their lives. You can say for 100%, um, I know God is working in so-and-so's life because I'm in it and I'm a signpost to Jesus in their life. Um, so I had a go at doing this earlier and I thought it would be a helpful thing for me to have done it. Um, and I can, I find that, um, yeah, when I think about praying, inviting and speaking, my mind goes blank. But as I did this, this is not even half of the people in my life. It is full. And and there's so many more people I could put in. So when it comes to me inviting five people to something, I just need to go to this diagram. There's more than five here that I could invite to something. But I think the important thing about these circles is where are people in my relationships? So for example, if we look at that, Nadia is on, that, is on the outer circle. I don't know her that well. She's my neighbor. We've talked a couple of times. Do I think I could invite her to an alpha just yet? Maybe not. Maybe I could, but maybe first things first, I could just go and knock on her door and take over some cookies and get to know her a bit better. Maybe I could invite her around for a cup of tea, get to know her a bit better, even more. And so she goes from being in my outer circle to actually being in my inner circle, or at least on the edge. And then inviting her to alpha is so much easier. And if I have that view of actually, it's not that I'm trying to, she's not a project, 
she's a person who God's made. But if she's a person who God's made and created to know and be known by him, isn't that a privilege to be her friend and to share Jesus, to be that signpost in her life? And so the idea with this is as you look at these circles, as you realise, gosh, I'm actually so blessed. I've got so many people in my life. Um, it's really not actually as difficult to find five people. But how do I be intentional in those relationships and bringing them in? And so, yeah, what you want to do is be thinking, how do I bring, how do I intentionally have friendships? How do I pray that Causa and Nadia would actually be in my inner circle rather than on my outer circle? How would, how can Stephen pray that um, some of the people that he sees in the coffee shop, rather than just being acquaintances in the coffee shop, become people that actually at the end of their shift come and sit down with him and have a coffee? Um, and so that's the idea of the circles. How can we be praying that these people um, move and then for us to have opportunities? I uh, wrote down, as you look at your circles, who stands out? What conversations, coincidences have you had where you bumped into that someone or you thought of that person on that outer inner circle? Um, how could you use that as an opportunity? Um, how could you pray for those opportunities? What does it look like in um, to have intentional close relationships and friendships with people in your spheres and circles and pray for those friendships? And what could happen if you prayed that dot 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 in your outer circle might see Jesus, see a miracle, bump into you, see Jesus in your life. Imagine what could happen if they went from being just out there, just someone that you know, someone that you see, or even someone that you're really close to, seeing Jesus, seeing you being the signpost to the one who and whom all life is found. So yeah, I hope that's a whistle stop talk, but hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. <clears throat> really, really really helpful and really what we're trying to do is say you know there's so many people we can connect with the thing with the um, coronavirus at the moment with people locked down so many new opportunities arise we for the first time had our neighbors round for a meal on friday which was you know thinking about but actually somehow with the lockdown that's helped another thing that's helped is when we're clapping or we're clapping for the um uh, nhs Suddenly, there was a whole n number of people that lived in homes that we didn't really see. They were all out there banging their pans and everything like that. And mm -hmm. Mary, my wife, met one of them in one of the Indian shops around the corner. And I think the, and they were just chatting away. I hadn't really talked before. They were, and I think the, the owner was quite surprised. These two people know each other really well. Well, actually, no, they were banging gongs outside and clapping. Um, and I think getting that whole... Uh, understanding the sphere of people that were involved in and then actually honing them down a little bit just so you can have some intentional prayer. One of the things I've started doing through lockdown is actually writing down Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday, Sunday. I've got three things to pray. And one of the, I, so it's different things, but they, I, each day I do the same, um, the, the, the same prayer on a weekly basis. And now I'm going to add in these five people. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm going to add a person into those prayers because actually we want to get intentional and that's the, what we're saying. So part of what Hannah is doing is just first of all, open our eyes to actually so many people we can pray for. And now just kind of 
bringing in who's actually God putting on our heart? Who are the people that actually let's pray intentionally for? You see, because specific prayers get specific answers. And that's really what I want to come on to for this, uh, just this next little bit. In, in um, John 15, verse 16, Jesus says this to his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. What a remarkable offer. <laughs> what a remarkable uh, thing. That actually, whatever we ask in Jesus' name, he will give us. Now, you think, so, well, what will Jesus want? Well, I can tell you this. Jesus wants all people to be saved. In fact, Jesus has even prayed that. And actually going back thinking, wow, okay, so I'm going to pray for my neighbours now. Actually, intentionally now, starting interceding, standing between them and God, interceding for them, praying, God, you will be done in their lives when you save them. <clears throat> Jesus was very keen for his disciples to understand faith and prayer and specific faith and prayer. In Matthew 17, 19, the uh, disciples, there's nine of them actually, three of them have gone up a mountain with Jesus, get, off, get involved in a, in, a, in a situation where a boy keeps throwing himself in the fire and uh, he's demonized and his dad says, please, please, can you help us? And they said, yeah, we'll pray for him. And, you know, they prayed all day and nothing happened. I don't know if you've been like me, but I, I understand the frustration sometimes. And uh, basically, Jesus comes down the mountain and finds out what's happening and uh, casts the demon out. And then in verse 19, it says, As after the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Have you ever thought that, asking that prayer? Why didn't it happen to me? Why is this not happening? Don't you have faith? Jesus said, don't you have enough faith? And then he said, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing is impossible with God. Amazing. So Jesus said, look, you can do it. He was saying, I had to come down the mountain to cast this demon. You can do likewise. And that's exactly the same in all prayers. It was kind of an illustration of the things that we could do in fact to highlight this he's on his way into jerusalem and it says in matthew 21 18 in the morning as jesus was returning to jerusalem he was hungry and noticed a fig tree beside the road he went over to see it uh, and there was no figs on the leaves and then he said may you never bear fruit again and immediately the fig tree withered up the disciples are watching this fig tree just die in front of them and the disciples were amazed when they saw it asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly and jesus said this i tell you the truth if you have faith and don't doubt just exactly the same sort of words that he used earlier on about the uh, boy who uh, had a demon and you can do things like this and much more you can even say to this mountain may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. Isn't that an amazing prayer? So it's basically Jesus said, look, specific prayers for specific things. And, uh, you know, sometimes the people that we 
want to share Jesus with. We think there's massive mountains there, cynicism, unbelief. They're far from God. They're God-haters. You don't know how bad they are. Well, actually, Jesus says that's a massive mountain, but I can move that mountain. Like my dad. You know, I, it, somehow the, a mountain of unbelief was lifted. Amazing, isn't it? And so what we are encouraging each one of us to do is actually list, we'll say five, it's not a magic number, but it, literally honing it down and praying, God, move the mountains. Whatever is stopping them who are far from God, coming back to God, being saved, born again, would you move those mountains? Would you move the unbelief? And so I want us to really get hold of this believing prayer. That's why Jesus got cross when they didn't have faith, because faith is such power in a faithless generation. And then just closing this uh, uh, talk, you know, there's power in two people agreeing. So Jesus said there's faith to move mountains. You can speak and God will do it. But then he says this in Matthew 18, I tell you this, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask my Father in heaven to do, he will do it. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. And so Jesus is saying, there is something about the temple of God, which is our lives, but the community of God. So two or three sharing together the people they're praying for and then all agreeing, God, move the mountain of unbelief. God, move the mountain of cynicism. God, whatever, whatever is stopping them and preventing them becoming followers of you, God, we ask, would you in your mercy do it? And this is the power of corporate prayer. Now, the context of this prayer was effectively, um, basically, um, uh, kind of uh, deliverance and, and forgiveness, sorry, and, and, and sin. But actually, this whole concept of agreeing together, that's why we say amen at the end of a prayer. So when Hannah prays at the end of this, I'm going to say a hearty amen. And that is, I agree. <laughs> I'm standing with this prayer. And so in Acts 4, 23, it says, as soon as they were free, Peter and John were in prison and God delivered them. And as soon as they were free, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leaders and the priests had told them. And the leaders and priests said, we're going to let you go, but don't say anything about Jesus. Don't witness. Don't tell anybody about Jesus. And uh, it says this, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer. And after they prayed, the meeting place shook. You know, that's kind of a, a picture of mountains moving. <laughs> Actually, as an agreement came, we are going to preach the good news. It's like God shook the house. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to show you, I can do anything. So they preached the word with boldness. I just want to encourage us. Prayer works. Prayer changes things. Let's be intentional. Let's find some people that we can pray for. Let's invite them, as Tim talked about last time, for meals. Let's start bringing them closer to us. Let's, like Stephen said, go into coffee shops and 